This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow, tractor zoom delivering insights, and dry shod boots, the official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron, time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 190. This week my guest again, the one and only Aaron Fennell. And we are going to talk about a couple things. Got a couple big auctions coming up. And we also want to talk about some new combines we see happening out there, with, especially with the X9 making the splash it made on Twitter. So, Aaron, how you doing, bud? I'm good. I'm good. I think what you meant to say was, again. <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> little inside joke. Anyway, yeah. no, I'm doing good. I mean, it's combine season. It's chopper season. Mm-hmm. It is, if you want to throw it out there, it's grain drill season. Yeah. Air seeder season. Um, a lot of seasons. A lot of a lot, seasons. A lot of S-Z-N, as they say on the Twitter. Yeah, a lot of seasons for sure. So let's start off with the auction talk here for a minute. And No just, way. Uh, no, for real? Never talk about it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Auctions yeah. ain't combines. See, there's yeah. that three-sided dice I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, last time. Yeah, that's exactly right. So if you go back to Moving Iron Podcast number, I think it was 187, if I remember right. Maybe 186. Don't remember the exact number. But Aaron and I talked about... Um, a couple auctions coming up. One is Sullivan's big two-day um, dealer on-site consignment auction, but they don't use the word consignment. They use uh, what's their what's their fancy marketing term they use? Um, dealer, I can't remember. Farmer auction. That's what they use instead of saying consignment. They say farmer auction. De- dealer farmer auction. Dealer farmer auction. Yeah. So they they leave the word consignment out, which is. Very, very smart. Slow clap, boys. Slow, Slow clap. clap. There you go. Good job. And then so they've got that one, and they also have um, AgPro. Uh, we talked about that one last time, too. But they're having their big dealer consignment auction coming up as well, and that is all their Ohio stores that they're going to do that in. And they had, last time I checked, they had about 45, 47 combines, something like that. Million. Yeah, right. <laughs> they had plenty of combines. They had a handful of tractors and, and just like lots of heads. I don't think there were that many though. There wasn't there like just a couple corn heads, yeah. but a lot of drapers. I think there were like six and six and something like that. Oh, so well, never mind the fool. Then. The uh, the amount of heads versus combines didn't didn't quite marry up. Yeah. So, but yeah, as we step back and take a look at that as well. So and did you see your email yesterday? No. Van Wall. Van Wall. Van Wall is also having one. Coming to the table, huh? And I think it's also in August. Oh, wow, look at that. So you go, I think you go, uh, I think it's AgPro, and then uh, their two-day deal. Yeah. And then when's, when's Van Wall's? I think, like, right in that, like, right in that mix? a week after, maybe. Right in that mix, huh? Well, let's take a look here. Let's pull up the old, dun, dun, dun. The old web here and take a look and see what we can find. I think that there's a uh, a fair amount of activity that we can talk about here as we get down the path of um, looking at this stuff here. So let me pull this up real quick. The power of the internet. Let's see, here we go. And if you take a look at what we see happening in the great interwebs here, so let's go to 
Ag Pro is the 17th. Ooh, online toy auction. That's good stuff. Can't ever have too many online toys. That's what she said. <laughs> Van Wall is the 25th. Let's see here. Van Wall's the 25th. And the two day is 27th, 28th. And when's, when's uh, Ag Pro? 17th. 17th, okay. All right, so let's take a look at Van Walls with this. So we discussed what we saw on the last two there. So let's take a look at um, what we see with Van Wall equipment here. So where is it at? You said it was on the, what day was that one on? Uh, 25th, right? 25th, Because it's the 25th, and then, yeah. 25th, there we go. All right, so... If you take a look at what we got here, all right. So here's some tractors they've got. They've got some, okay. RX, RT. Got an RX, a couple RTs, um, 15, 17s, model stuff. And then you run down here to the combines. You've got an S780, an S690. Handful of 680s. Yep, handful of 680s. 70 series, heads. 60. 9510 for the win. <laughs> so you've got you've got a fair amount of of stuff on here. Um, and what that looks like. So I'm sure this list will get bigger. I'm sure this is not the the final list as we as we kind of start to take a look at what's going on there. But I think there is a um, a good opportunity here to see some stuff sell that we haven't seen before. So I wonder if we can. Yeah, it says on the bottom list is subject to change with units being traded daily. Yep. So that farm progress grounds. Okay, there you go. That's where their other one was at. Yeah. So I think there's a... But it's still just online, so it doesn't right. matter where the hell it's at. Yep. So Unless you're going to go lay hands, then, right. then you need to know. Right. So what about this? Let's talk about this is one I've, I want to see. I don't know that I've watched one of these sell yet, if you maybe you have, but they have a 2018 712 folding corn head, 12 row 30. Have you seen any of those sell yet? I, I have not. So that's kind of one I've been, I've, I've been waiting to see something like that pop up. And to see what that looks like. Holding chopping. Yeah. I, I've talked to a lot of guys across the country that that specific head is kind of really hot. Yeah. Yeah. For I've a billion-dollar corn head, there's a lot of guys really interested <laughs> yeah. in it. Yeah, there's a – I think what we're seeing here with those, the folding corn head option, I think, is getting to be more more important as transport becomes a bigger issue. Yeah. Because now you're starting to look at deficiencies and those kind of things that play into that, and now you start looking at a machine that you don't have to take off. You can fold up. It's it's no wider than the machine is. Right. And you can put it in the axis a little bit narrow, but a little more narrow than that. But you're spread. The guys are more and more spread out. There's more and more urban sprawl. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So as that stuff starts to take place, you can start seeing these um, folding corn heads coming there. The guys you're talking to too, from a trend perspective. How many guys have you talked to about the traditional stockmaster chopping corn head versus the the new chopping rolls that Deer came out with? If, has anyone really talked about that much? I have had no discussions on that. It's still fairly new, so I don't. Right. I mean, I think last year, the year before, was the first year for that for that knife roll set. So I've been, you know, going all the way back to this was when. You were not agriculturally inclined at this point in life, but... Well, it was yesterday, so... <laughs> <laughs> in the mid-80s, late-80s, Pixel Company, 
come out with stock rows for like stock rolls for like the old 843s and whatnot and it was a it looked like a ninja weapon essentially oh nice yeah it had like i want to say maybe like eight sharpened blades on it okay and it was i mean it was it was wild and that was supposed to well do a better job than the old john deere stock rolls where it would leave a stock about six foot tall no ear on it, but right. it would, you know, the old school tapered cast rolls. Right. So they come out with that roll to process the stock better and all that kind of stuff. Well, guys still shredded. You know, right. it's just like I know guys that try to get as aggressive of a roll as you can, mm-hmm. but they still do something with the stocks. Right. I know a couple guys that have done all the different rolls. They've even had three different colors of corn heads. And at the end of the movie, they are running a chopping head. Right. So that's kind of where that's at. I don't think... if If you want your stocks chopped at harvest, then I think that's the only thing you can do is run that chopping head. Right. Now, what I've seen a couple guys on the Twitterverse do couple customers of mine down south they run a chopping head and then like those yetter devastators that roll on the ground behind the head that's pretty slick yeah that's like ready to roll type ship yeah more and more guys residue management not that it wasn't very uh a hot button issue to start with it's getting to be a more of a an issue that oh guys yeah are, guys are really starting to figure out what they're trying to do yep. if they're i know guys that that look at the residue management they put in the field as far as how they how they finish the crop when they when it comes through for a lot of that is some guys like to chop it because then they, it's easier to just come in and windrow it and bale it and there's less it's just easier for the for it to process and those kind of things so i don't know there's a lot of different <clears throat> a lot of different aspects out there that are that are being played into this that are um that are growing the idea too uh, the uh the chopping rolls that we see on these machines now are they're doing a, a similar job to what you see an, an actual stock master do without the horsepower limitations that you would need to have to run that part of the head. Right. So, But you still got that nub. You're, yeah. You still got a stock after the fact because yeah. it's not going to pull it out of the ground and right. chew it up and right. spit it back out. So. Yep. yep. So it'll be a, it'll be a uh, interesting to see how that, that adaptation plays into it. Um, so let's think about this for a minute. So deer rolls out their new X9 combine. And oh goodness! <laughs> deer rolls out their new X9 combine. Hashtag. <laughs> and I think there hashtag was a, holy shit. Yeah, there's a big there's a big stir on Twitter about that. What we saw happen there with with that, and um, you know, as, as you look back, if you look at that machine, that machine's not going to be used by everybody, right? It's going to be a machine for a guy that's a that's a large acreage farmer and very large very large and the way i look at it is if you're running two or three 780 combines you could probably take an x9 and and mute two of those 780s and have one 780 running around um on a, in a, on paper in a perfect world where there's where there's a in a vacuum where there's no weather considerations or anything like that um you could you could substitute one one of those machines for um two 780s but out in our neck of the woods, you know, October 15th rolls around, and from October 15th to through Halloween, there's a high likelihood that we could have a, a 
100 year blizzard and um or freeze situation or something like that where weather really starts to play a high 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 demand on what you need to do in the field so um I, I think you could take one of those machines and do it. The nice thing about that is if you did take that and replace it to um, eight class, class eight combines, you would have all the support equipment already, right? I think that's that's the part of the conversation too that, that I think is being left out of this is that you're, you're gonna have a machine out there that you can't just have, you know, three grain carts and, and a couple trucks and those kind of things. I mean, you're talking about a machine that's one and a half times as big as a 790. I mean, so take that into perspective. Now, this isn't the first Class 10 combine to hit the marketplace. I mean, Kloss has had a Class 10 combine for a while. New Holland has a Class 10, don't they? I don't. They might. I think they do. But maybe I'm... But but that's that's kind of... That's kind of in a nutshell. So the Class 10 combine thing is there. The thing about this machine that we're seeing now is, comparatively to, to the other machines is what comes standard from technology perspective. Yeah. Right, I mean? So now you start talking about, you know, you have a, the premium activation that comes through there, you got your RTK, you've got your, you know, your circle track, all these different things that come into that. Machine sync is now part of that. And that was, that is something that we haven't seen. I was waiting to see how that was going to play into the, into the mix. And quite frankly, that, with that machine and the on-farm labor expectations that you see happening, you don't have to have the most experienced person in the grain cart anymore. Right. Running that grain cart, right? Because the combine takes control of it, steers it, makes it do what it's supposed to. Yep. The guy in the combine has to nudge it back and forth and what comes along with that. So And everything <laughs> while you're on the technology piece of it, everything's fully integrated. Just right. like the receiver in the cab, just yep. like the new eight R's. Yep. Yeah, so there's the technology perspective there. So we took the receiver off of that tractor, so there's a hole in the roof. <laughs> but we'll just that doesn't go with the trade. Uh, yes, it does. It has to. Our water's <laughs> going to get in the cab. So <laughs> they have. <clears throat> so I guess as you as you step back and take a look and all the things that we see there, the amount of efficiencies that you're gaining with any not not just the X nine but any of the new set, the twenty model year um, seven series combines, all that kind of stuff. That same technology package gets put on those as well. They also have a. A, uh, a three-year maintenance program, a three-year um, wear part program. That's all. In, that's all part of that now, as far as the power guard goes. So now you kind of start looking at taking these machines, and you're looking at it from a perspective of, you know, I, I'm going to go out and run these machines. I'm going to put some hours on them. I'm going to use them, you know, and and not necessarily trade them every year that we've seen happen in the past. Because um, quite frankly, the used equipment marketplace, I don't know who's going to buy. It. I mean, if you take this, the the X9 combine. You put one year worth of use on it, bring it in and trade, and you you kind of evaluate the same apples to apples as you would a seven eighty or seven ninety or seven seventy or something like that, and, and the same level of depreciation. Ninety six ten. Ninety six ten exactly. Um, that use that use X series combine is going to be as much as a as a new seven eighty. First Pretty of close. all, I sure as hell hope not. <laughs> Second of all, after one year, like, we're talking like you put go out and put three hundred hours on. Right. So I mean, it's this this the it's the how's the used equipment marketplace going to respond to that? The first couple of those mm-hmm. will be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wonderful because you know somebody wants that some bitch, but they don't want that new price. Yeah, they will be the guy who buys that X nine for 
used X9, right. 300-hour machine, whatever, for the new 780 price because it's a combine and a half, as yeah. you said. But I don't, I don't think that anyone's going to... I don't, I don't. The multi-unit guys and the guys that are tied in with a the trade—they're not—they're not who it's going to be. There are big operators who buy one-year-old used oh, on purpose. But I don't think there's going to be—I really don't think there's going to be a lot of dealers out there lining up to say, "All right, we'll trade your Exxon every year." No, I get that. But you also go. Let's put this. In and then reality happens, yeah. and you trade for five. Well, let's put it in perspective, though. <laughs> I mean, I think anyone listening to this, if you step back and talk about the customers that, that in your, in your, honestly step back and think about it, the customers that you have in your side of your area of responsibility that you're going to go sell in the combine to, I bet you can count them on one hand and take about two fingers out of the, com- the conversation and have about three customers that you're going to go talk to about it next month. Yeah. I mean, that can legitimately say, yeah, yeah, we have the... We got the acres. We got the support equipment. We got the people. We got the, all that stuff to involved in it to, to make that machine run efficiently. Right. Right. This is not a, you know, you sell eighty new combines a year, and and you know, seventy eight of them weren't an X nine. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you're what you're you're exactly right. Yeah. If we're basing on logic, right. a lot of shit happens with logic nowhere near it because. Oh my God! There's a used X9. No, no, I agree. The X9, the used X9, and that neighbor was. I can't stand doesn't have one. Right. So here we go. Well, I think yeah. That, you know, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna have a pissing match, and somebody's gonna get an X9 yeah. because they can. Right. Well, yeah, and I, I I agree with that that logic, but here's the same thing. That guy that's got the, an X9 and was running a used was running a Class Eight. That investment just got bigger. Because you're not, you don't have the support equipment to make it operate. Unless you go make the investment for the support side of the. But equipment. right, there's plenty of combines sold where that's not taken into account anyway. You see, nothing tons like of, this, huh? Nothing like this. If you go from class seven to a class eight, that's not a dramatic change. It adds dramatic change, right? You might need to pick up like a another half a, you know, half a grain card to make it work, right? Right. I mean, fortunately, they don't sell half grain card, grain cards. You know, you got to buy a whole one, but. The concept being is that it's not an, a, just an astronomical jump, right? From a from a seven from an eight class class eight combine to the X nine, you're looking at, you know, you're jumping from two, you know, like two and a half times the machine as far as volume goes across the entire spectrum. Yeah, I'm I get that, but. So this, what I'm saying is that this machine is not, not for everybody, man. I mean, even yeah. a used one, even right. a used one, this machine is not going to be for everybody. Right. But I think the ones that that can utilize a machine like this and still have the the, the extra machine out there to kind of keep ahead of the weather and do what they're doing and and, and make things happen, um, it's going to be a great addition to their to their to their fleet, right? Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know what I'd like to see. Everybody, not everybody's an X nine. I'd like to see custom harvesters get X nine. Oh, no, listen, hear me yeah. out. And then they'll haul them some bitches on the road with like those eighteen axle trailers. Right. That's actually three different trailers, right? Yeah, because of the weight and the axles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be uh, that'd be a long train going down the road. That would be exciting, yeah. though. You'd have like a hundred feet of pulling them forty mile an hour with heavy haul trucks and shit. You fifty know? foot heads. On the back of that, you know, yep. so now you're looking at, and you got a, 
It's like a Mad Max scenario. Right. You know what I mean? Why not? You can just pull 200 feet down the road. Yeah. And call it great. But, yeah. But no, so I think... Pretend we're in Australia. Like exactly. Like their land trains yeah. or whatever. Exactly. So I think the X9 is going to be... Uh, it's going to have a really good a really good splash in the market, but it's going to be... A certain group of guys are going to be able to use it. You know what's exciting? Here's what I would like to have happen, right? So they add that wear item package yeah. into Power Guard on the X9, right? Mm-hmm. After two years of the mothership handing over a shitload of fancy green painted augers because mm-hmm. they're wearing out because that thing eats so much, they then develop augers made out of the flightings made out of like one inch. And call it like a lifetime auger, yeah. and then it's hardened to yet, yeah. and then it'll be oh, it becomes the combine that doesn't wear out. How badass would that? You be? You can start seeing carbon fiber parts Is that that last that are lightweight and last a lot longer. But I don't know that carbon fiber would be a good choice on an auger, would it? Well, I'm not. I'm just saying. I know it's a very dense, lightweight yeah. material. That Correct. They build fast cars out of. It's true. And they the brakes last longer and stuff. So I'm sure that... <laughs> the brakes last like Carbon fiber brakes, you know. So Tesla's, sure. John Deere has bought Tesla to make <laughs> augers. To make augers, right. <laughs> yeah. that, that will, that's what you'll see come out of this, too, is you're going to start seeing wear items that, that have things taken into consideration that are going to be, you know, what it is. Because you're talking about a machine now that's the amount of volume that's gone through that, that rig. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're talking to me just... I can't wait uh, for the DB120 Cornhead to come out. <laughs> or actually, it'd be a CH120. A CH I think I think you know, then you got it. Yeah. little, like, say, some 30 moisture mm-hmm. corn for a feedlot. Yeah. 48 rows of it. Let's bring it on in. Yeah. You know, I had a conversation with a guy on Twitter... Six months ago, I did a podcast about kind of what the future of equipment, what it looks like, and I'm a I'm a big fan of the as automation and um, uh, autonomy takes hold that they're going to be uh, smaller machines, more in the field. And this guy was telling me they're going to have 160 foot corn heads, 160 foot draper heads. And I'm like, what? 160, 160 foot? foot? Do you like get it there and unroll it? I don't know how. I mean, I don't know what you... I mean, how do you truck that from field to field? No, I'm sorry. Not 160. 120. Sorry. 100. Mm. I don't want to misspeak. It's 120. Well, <clears throat> damn, I wish we could grab them extra 16 rows, but they just don't fit. I mean, you start thinking about... Just thinking about the... As, I don't mean... You have to fold it up somehow, but then keeping down pressure, and then, I mean, gauge wheels and everything out on the outside. Oh, well, it'd be a mass. Think of the used market. Yeah. In the current world, yeah. a 35 is more desirable than a 40. God forbid, a 45. Well, that's also when you start thinking about the transition of the marketplace, though, right? As as things transition and, and operations get bigger and, and those kind of things take place, it's, I think the vision of the producer is going to be more of that, like a, like, a, like a guy building a road, right? The idea being that here's my project, here's the material that I need to have, to make that project work and then here's the inherent cost that I'm going to have go along with that IE machinery and that's also part of the material that I'm going to need to have make that work so as you start going down that path I'm not really worried about the overall price tag of the piece of equipment I'm more worried about what's it going to cost me that year to produce that crop 
So the, 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 the financing, those kind of things are going to start playing a bigger role. And as that starts to play a bigger role, the useful life, life of a piece of equipment isn't necessarily based on how many hours I put on it, right? It's more used on, like, how many, how many jobs am I going to use that piece of equipment for before I say, okay, I've met my depreciation schedule or I've met my, you know, bang for my buck usefulness of that piece of equipment before it costs me X dollars to go back in and put new augers in it or whatever it is that you're doing. That kind of mindset is going to be, is going to take hold and, and move things forward, my personal opinion. That's pretty deep. I've been giving that some thought lately. Boy, yes. Now, real me. quick, I just yeah. got to throw you under the bus a minute. All right, cool. We're sitting here talking about the backing X. up. Yeah, yeah. Right. you're sitting here talking about the X9, yeah. and then pretty soon you interjected that there's going to be more machines, smaller and automated. Well, I mean, the X9, the X9 is is the domain. The reason the X9 exists, the reason the Class Eight model combine exists, or a Class Nine model combine exists, is because the it's lack of of labor, you know, that labor keeps shrinking every, I mean, the first custom harvest crew took two and a half ton pickups and, and drove their combines on the back of them and drove them around the country that way. Yeah. Right. Because they had 65 of them to go out and cut one wheat field. Right. <laughs> right. right. But they also had 150 people to go out and do that. Oh, look, there's our train full of combines, <laughs> you know? So now, now as you look at what you see happening now with the size of equipment, it's, it has everything to do with, you have to do the exact same amount of acres with less help. Right. Which, that trumps my thought with it, because I would, my argument is, I would, in that 3780 scenario, I'd keep the 3780s, if you can have the help. Because right. if you're that big of an operation, you got three of those, you you're pr- you're probably yeah. in like regions, so to speak, and if you got one at the west region, one in the middle region, and one at the east region, and you got a couple trucks and a grain cart for each combine, you're going to get a hell of a lot more done than you will with that one X. Right. However, I just listed at least three drivers, and that's right. saying the truck driver hops back and forth as there's a full truck. Right. So that's three. That's nine people. For one combine. For three combines. When you look at it from that perspective, and that that overall arching size of deal that you got going there. Right. Now, you you got to remember, you got a combine driver plus the grain carts, right. plus the guy driving the trucks, right? So how many grain carts are you going to have for one combine? I'll keep that machine rolling. Keep it efficient. Which combine? The 780. Uh, one 1300. Okay, so you got one 1300. Running back and forth, though. How many trucks? Two trucks. Depending on how far you're away, though. Yeah. What if you're 40 miles from where you're dumping? Then you probably need to let that ground go and get some ground closer <laughs> to the elevator. <laughs> just that's, so that's, just so Aaron Fennell's combine scenario works. Right. But that's that's the that's the overarch. That's what you got to start considering when you look at it. Maybe maybe it's just going to a feedlot. Maybe you got bins in the pivot corner. Right. Okay, so when you are 40 miles away and you're trying to get everything to work right and I get it, you want to go back in and, and, and do all the, the fun stuff that we've talked about, the idea, even if even if you farm, um, let's say you're fortunate enough to farm 10 square miles, right? Let's say you're a big operator, you got however many acres that would be. You know, you 
64,000 acres or whatever that would be at that point. But if you if you farm that and that's your it's your area and you're within 10 miles of, of where you're at, you still need to have more support equipment than you think you will because of time to load, time to unload of the truck coming out of the grain. So where do baggers and unbaggers, grain baggers, start playing a, playing a point in this scenario when you start talking about combines? The short answer for that is wherever they want as long as they're never traded in. <laughs> Ever. I think I, you're going to see more and more of that. Yeah. At the end of the field, dumping it and, and then coming back and picking it up after you're done with harvest. Yeah, I get that. I get that. From logistics. Because then all of a sudden, now, you're, now you don't have... You don't have any trucks. don't have any trucks. And so, I mean, you have trucks, but you don't need them during... During harvest, right? You know, well, that's what I'm. I'm talking about. Obviously, you have trucks. I mean, at harvest, you don't need any truck. Right. You got an X9, and you got well, even a 780 or a 790 or a 9650, 9650, whatever. 6600, 105, 105 corn special. Whatever you, whatever you want. You know. I am really proud of you that you knew 105. <laughs> Great job. I. I can see that because I know where I grew up, southeast, south central Nebraska, any chance you can to cart to the bin, everybody does it as much as possible. I have been part of an operation where we carted to the bin four miles. Um, and How many miles did you say? Four. Four, okay. I thought you said 40. I was like, what? No, that would right. be a long trip. Right. And it is the absolute peak of efficiency. Right. You're just go, go. I mean, you could knock shit out like you can't believe. Right. The bag would be that every field is carting to the bin. So you're at peak efficiencies. Mm-hmm. The trouble is, harvest is one phase of the whole year. Right. Okay. So then you got all winter to fight them bags and get shit out of the bags and do all that and there's guys that are diehard grain baggers and I'm not trying to talk down on anybody because I have never unloaded a grain bag I can't believe it's any worse than running a freaking sweep auger which usually happens in the summer so maybe you're right maybe don't get carried away but maybe you're right and that becomes hotter and hotter just just for pure efficiencies right I think I think the grain bagger plays a great a great role in in this scenario as operations get more spread out. When you're getting further away from your on farm storage or elevator storage or whatever it is that you're doing, um, plus we start looking at your marketing plan. I mean, that's why there are guys I know guys in different parts of the world actually do this. Okay. And this is based off of a pivot. So the guys in Illinois that have a 300-acre field of black dirt, I don't know what to tell them at this point. This goes off of a pivot. If you know, I know plenty of guys have done this. You got a, you got your standard 135-acre circle, right, in a square 160-acre field, a quarter. And you take that pivot at what you hope to someday achieve for bushels, on that pivot, and you put a grain bin in the corner. Okay. Yeah, grain bins aren't cheap, 
but they take very little time to pay for themselves. Right. In all reality. Yeah. And yeah. it don't have to be anything special. You know, you don't have to have stirrator and dryer and all that kind of shit. I mean, it's just, it's just a storage. It's just band. holding bin. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. I know guys that have done that, and that's, you know. Then you're carting to the bin, and you're not... A deer can go rub up on that bin all he wants. He's not gonna. Not gonna rip a hole. He's in. not gonna rip a hole in the bin. If he does, I would like to tag him and find him later, because that's gonna be pretty badass. That's gonna be a, a rather large. His large antler. Deer. His antlers look like a can opener. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. So. So I mean, there's all. I'm just throwing that out there. There's all kinds of different things for efficiency. And I, if you get in the right scenario the right crop, the right day, the right time, all that kind of stuff, I can see one X9 instead of two eights. Mm-hmm. But... I think that's, mm-hmm. that's working in a vacuum. Right, you know I mean? right. Most of the time, you're going to be... But it all comes down to labor. Right. You know? And that's that's kind of the point of this deal here, is as you take a look at... at you're, what, you're getting you know, rid of labor, and labor is the number one issue, usually. Yep. I mean, along with along with all the all the fun things that come along with that, um, you know, there is a there technology exists because labor restrictions are getting they're getting less and less, right? They're getting to be less and less people to come back to the farm and work. Right. There's getting to be less and less just overall just trying to find any any labor. I think if we did a poll on here, like what's your biggest concern as a as a operator, it's I mean, probably commodity prices and then labor is probably the second one would be my guess. Yeah. And then probably something to do with uh, succession planning and those kind of things. You know, speaking of that labor thing, there are guys out there who haven't driven a tractor in 15 years that just popped into my head. As you as you mentioned, technology and the labor and guy don't have to drive a tractor straight anymore. You don't have to drive it. Here, sit this and watch the buzzers and the sensors. Right. Another thing too is there's more and more guys out there that are, as operations grow and and things happen, that the guy actually stroking the checks not even not right even in the tractor right, right? hired hand the whatever it might be, <clears throat> and they're uh, they're your as for a sales guy your best sales pitch anymore is is not necessarily to the guy writing the check it's you want the guy driving the tractor that likes the f- creature features of it. And the comfort or the refrigerator or whatever it is. Yep. I get that refrigerator. You pick the right guy in the middle. <clears throat> yeah. And get with him because right. odds are he is been there long enough, is yeah. trusted enough, whatever. He's he's a great influencer. Yeah. yeah. He's Maybe got right. as much say so. Yeah. He has the say so. The other guy writes a check. Right. Typically. Typically. Not always. Yep. And most, and most, because I know other huge farms where everything's power shift thirteen hundred. Because right. the guy writing the check is a, a doctor, a lawyer. He don't even see the shit. Right. And boom, oh, it's a tractor. Good enough. Yeah. Done. Yep. The uh, so then on the flip side of that, the other people that that may not be driving, they're looking at the efficiencies and how fast they can, like you said, go from point A to point B and get everything done before snowmageddon hits. Right. <clears throat> and that's. That's uh, sometimes you can do that, but back to like your your three combine thing. If you had those out working in three different fields, you know you can pull all three of those together and go knock out with the area that's going to be affected by the storm. 
right? If you're that spread out, right? And <clears throat> start looking at how those logistics start to play in, into all that. Yeah. I still, and, and you can do that. I mean, hell, you can put all three in a pivot corner if you want to have a demo derby. But I still think you're more efficient spread out. Oh, I agree. But if you're in an area like, like where we're at where pivot irrigation is a big thing. Right. And you've got, you know, an area that's got 10 or 15 pivots. And those 10 or 15 pivots are going to be, you know, affected by looking at the forecast by a snowstorm or whatever else. And the other, other, the other, other hundred arms. aren't. Yeah, yeah. Those, I those, get it. You take those three and you go knock out those right. in a day. You know, not a day, but you know, a few days worth of work. You got those knocked out. Right. right. And then that's where your grain bagger comes in, and you and you bag them at the end of the field or whatever it is, and kind of go from there. That's true. You at least we're not in the carpet business, that's right? Don't want to deal with any carpet baggers. That's right. Just grain baggers. Just grain baggers. That's right. But um. Good one. Take that act on the road. Hey, real quick, just so, because everybody's out there, because you haven't brought it up yet, and I'm very disappointed. What? When we, before we started recording, Uh and we were talking a little bit about the X9 and the the three versus one, and keep an extra, Casey's comment was, well, keep an extra 680, and then you can use it to open up the field. Yeah, open them up. It's like a a bigger version Uh, of a, but as cheap as they've gotten, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a pleasant thought. Yeah, we'd bring that up toward the end of the podcast, right? Right. Pop everyone's balloon at the end, right? That's what I always say. All right, man. Good stuff as usual. Aaron, people want to reach out to you. What's the best way to do that? Fairly active on the Twitterverse at Aaron Fintail. Um, Probably that's where a lot of guys reach out to me at. Or my telephone number is three zero eight. 760-1193 760-1193 and you can call me or text me on that anytime right on. and you can find me on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC also check out movingironllc.com for all the latest news concerning Moving Iron and on that note I have had to cancel the Moving Iron podcast that was coming or Moving Iron podcast the Moving Iron Summit that was coming up here September 1 through 3 in Nashville <clears throat> due to the COVID-19 stuff and I've got that rescheduled for January 21. January of 21 uh, dates are the 20th through the 22nd. Same hotel, same information. Um, I probably have to get a new link and stuff, but check that out. I'll have that up here this weekend on the on my website, so you can look at that stuff and get re-registered. And I'm gonna throw this out there that anybody that's a dealer that wants to come to that, irregardless of. Uh, manufacturer or whatever it might be hit me up and let me know if you're interested in coming should be great information a lot of good information out there that comes so um let me know how if you'd like to come to that also check out the global ag network and the great uh podcasters on there as well and some new moving iron podcast news um i am going to move uh moving iron podcast markets to its own feed so you should see that coming up here real soon and as well as Moving Iron Podcast Tax News. Glenn Birnbaum will have its own feed. And I am going to also start a new podcast that has to do with um, kind of the inner workings of a dealership that will have its own feed as well. So Moving Iron Podcast will be what, you, what, you're, what you've grown to know and love, uh, talking about um, what's happening in the equipment world as well as auction markets and those kind of things. Have guests on from, from other, other areas. So um, 
looking forward to see how that works. So you should see about four different feeds of the Moving Iron podcast pop up. So um, looking forward to having that start here, hopefully the first part of September anyway. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Aaron Fentel. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century.